Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Skipper's View podcast. My name is Dean. My name is Brett. Uh, and with us, we have a number one, at one point, New York Times bestselling author with the Baseball 100. Uh, and uh, with the current book, Why We Love Baseball, History in 50 Moments, Joe uh, Panansky. Panansky, correct? You got it. Absolutely. Good. Okay. I was, I was, I, we interviewed uh, Adam Lazarus two weeks ago with his the wingman book and i butchered his last name so i just wanted to <laughs> i didn't want to butcher this one um so just a little background you've written six books correct this is my seventh i believe seventh okay so baseball 100 the life and afterlife of harry houdini the soul of baseball paterno the secret of golf and then the machine yes uh, two of those books i have specific questions for later on specifically the life of afterlife of harry houdini because i feel like that one's very much just out there in terms that's of out there genre, yeah genre which i love um but this book came out september 5th correct came out yeah uh two weeks ago tomorrow from where okay. we're talking yeah and i've been following you online uh it looks like you've been across the country in the past 10 days so you want to just like talk about that real quick how is that tour <laughs> it's been it's been amazing i'm i'm barely barely awake but uh it's been incredible every night uh just uh Talking about the book, meeting people, talking about why we love baseball. I mean, it's been uh, it's been great, and it's just been one long trip. Like I like I've been on book tours before, uh, but this one is just to the car, to the airport, to the hotel, to the event, signing books, to doing an interview, to another car. I mean, it's just been <laughs> one one after another, after another, after another, and. Uh, uh, what a blast. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. I, I love talking about this book. And, and uh, so it's been, uh, it's been amazing, tiring, all of it. And you, now you are, you're back in North Carolina. I am. I'm back in Charlotte uh, for a couple of days and then back on the road a little bit. Uh, oh. But, uh, but the heavy stuff is over, I think for the most part, the heavy yeah, stuff. So I saw you were at Dodger stadium. You were in New Jersey, Rhode, Rhode Island, right? You went to Rhode Island? Rhode Island. I was in Jersey, uh, hmm. St. Louis, Kansas City, L.A., San Francisco. Um, since it's been it's been a lot, yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, this book is awesome. Congrats. It's number two right now, correct, on New York Times? Uh, number, number two on the list. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Crazy. And it's, I mean, so Adam Lazarus uh, was the one who kind of, I, I had not seen that this was coming out. He pointed out to us the other day, and we, we reached out. Um, so just how did this book, like, how, this approach is different than your previous books. It's kind of like the, each chapter is its own story, right. uh, its, own, its own moment. It's not 50 moments. It's over 100, correct? Right, right. It's like a, kind of, a, I, I counted. It was like 108. Yes, 108 moments. Uh, just kind of keep finding little nooks and crannies of places to put it. But it is... You know, it's the the title is History in Fifty Moments, and it is it is fifty moments, as you know, but it's sort of surrounded by uh, a whole bunch of other moments, which is which is fun. So, how's like how's the approach to that compared to say the Paterno or, or the Houdini? Because I know the Baseball One Hundred was you you did that for the Athletic first, and those were its own things, right? Correct? So, just like a typical you one of your typical novels that you you research compared to this. Yeah, it's a, it was a lot different. I mean, the, the, so much of the effort that I had to put in uh, was to come up with what the format was going to be, how it was going to look. I knew I was going to write a book called Why We Love Baseball. I had the title first, uh, which is unusual for me. And um, and so then it was sort of, you know, I had this idea of doing it about all these moments and I was going to do it as a countdown. And 
And, you know, I just come off the baseball 100. So I thought, what do I want a hundred moments? Do I want to do it this way? So I kind of bounced around with a lot of different ideas uh, for what the book should look like. And, uh, and that was actually sort of the hardest part was for me, it wasn't the writing of the book. I thought the writing was just really fun and, and, and pretty easy uh, for me, but the, you know, coming up with the moments, figuring out the mix of famous moments and moments that, that nobody's heard of and, and, and like funny moments and, and cool moments and, and all of that, you know, it was just, all of that was sort of the, 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 the harder part. And, and so uh, it did take me quite a while to sort of come up with that and come up with exactly how, what I wanted this book to look like. Uh, but then once, once I had that down and, and knew what I was writing, it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, I think the the combination of like kind of personal moments for you of baseball's best moments with like obviously like the big everyone right. knows them. But what what also is interesting is that you those those moments that everyone knows, you find facts in it that people didn't know. And like one in particular I wrote down that completely blew my mind because Ken Burns lied to me was the Pee-wee <laughs> and you mentioned that was the the Pee-wee Ray, Pee-wee Reese embrace to Jackie Robinson which in 42 which is right. a movie. So I, I, but in Ken Burns' documentary, which I just rewatched it all, I'm like, now he's a liar. Well, I don't know if it's a liar, but he, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a very, very, very famous moment of, of in, you know, the, the, as the story goes, they were in Cincinnati. It was in 1947. It was just a few days after Jackie Robinson had, uh, had uh, joined the Dodgers and they were in Cincinnati and the crowd was apparently, all riled up and and peewee reese was the team shortstop and captain and and leader and he was from nearby louisville which is only about an hour and a half two hours from cincinnati and uh and the fans were getting on him and then at one point he he walked over to jackie robinson at first base which is of course the big finish of of the movie 42 puts his arm on his uh his hand on his shoulder and basically, you know, stands up to the bullies and and they do it together. And it's a very, very famous moment in Brooklyn. There's a there's a statue to the moment. Ken Burns, uh, who has come to regret it, uh, has played it up very big in his baseball documentary and and so on and so on. And and now there's a you know, the the real question is, did it did it happen? And and there's very little evidence uh to show that it did happen. Um, but there's also some evidence that shows some version of it happened. So anyway, I get into all of that in the chapter, um, and talk about why it's so important to us, you know, why it's so meaningful to us, because I mean, there are those who would say, oh, it's, it's only meaningful because we're trying to, to sort of assuage the guilt that, you know, that there were good people that helped Jackie Robinson and it wasn't just all all people, you know, uh, screaming at him and 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 wishing him ill, which is true. I mean, there were very good people for sure. Um, but you know, there there's those who would say, well, that's the only reason. There are others who say, no. I mean, there was a real friendship between Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Something both of them talked about at great length during their lives, um, and that this is sort of the a reflection of 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 that friendship. Um, so there's a lot going on there. And so I really wanted to dive in. I, I think such a big part of baseball is mythology too. Like I think that, that baseball is the one, it's not the only sport. I mean, football certainly has its own mythologies as mm. well, but, but baseball, like it's, it's so much of what baseball makes baseball 
cool, especially baseball history and baseball stories is, you know, how much of it is true? Did, did Babe Ruth really call his shot? Did, you know, did, did uh, Pee Wee Reese really put his armor on Jackie Robinson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. Especially like pre, I don't know, like 1945, maybe a little earlier where, where, where the cameras and I forget which chapter it was where you talked about the camera angles and how they replay um, the next day. You can tell our listeners the next day they reshot the catch, which that was early on. That, which one? That's was that the at? craziest story in the whole book. And then it was also from 1947. So it was from Jackie Robinson's first year in the World Series. They played the Yankees. And there's a very famous moment in that World Series in game six where Al Gianfrido of the Dodgers makes this amazing catch at the wall off of Joe DiMaggio. And DiMaggio uh, was so angry about the catch that he kicked the dirt. Uh, famously kicked the dirt, which was a big deal because DiMaggio never showed emotion, cool, right? Cool Joe, cool Joe. Cool Joe, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was not going to include that moment in the book because I, I've seen that catch many, many times on film, and it's just not that good a catch. And, and you you watch it, and it's like, they say it saved a home run. He's nowhere near the wall. He was kind of five feet. Yeah. Right. He was kind of stumbling around. I mean, like, it's like, this is not that good a catch. And then I go and do some, you know, my due diligence on the story. And I find the most incredible thing, which is that it's a reenactment of the catch that they filmed before game seven, literally the next day after the crowd comes in, they send Algion Frito and a teammate out to the outfield and they hit them fly balls. Like literally just a guy with a, uh, like a, uh, you know, fungo bat hitting him fly balls. And they tell the crowd um, when he catches this ball, go crazy. Like he just saved the world series. And it's, it was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. And, and the, the funny thing is if you go now, now I love that video because I go back and watch the video. And if you watch it, you can see behind him after the catch, like a couple of people are like going absolutely crazy, just going crazy. Like they told him to. And there are others who are like looking at their watch. Like, like how long are they going to be doing this before the actual game? It was before game seven of the world series. But, but that shows you the power uh, of a couple of things. One of the power of the, the newsreels back then, like they didn't yeah. have, they didn't have the, the video and uh, you know, they're like, we need it. We need, we need the film. So, so they got him to do it. Yeah. I feel like there's a distinct, like, like cutoff point. I don't know where it would be. Maybe like the mid fifties or sixties. Cause like even Bobby Thompson's home run, when you go back and watch that, you mentioned that in the, in the book and you talk about the first base uh, coach going crazy, but like that, that film was all cut together. Like we don't have, yes. It's, yes. it's, so there's a very distinct difference, especially when we talk about the mythology and in these moments, I would say there's like, I don't know, you could correct me if I'm wrong, probably like half of them are when we really don't have video for it. So it's really just like, you're kind of going off of, secondary sources the history the 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 way people talked about it but you're right there's there's the you know and willie mays's catch is the same way they show willie mays making the catch and then they always cut to that guy in the stands kind of like like oh my gosh that guy's like hitting his yeah like yeah. <laughs> and it's like that wasn't that guy wasn't doing that for willie mays yeah. catch, you know but yeah. but that's uh yeah that's exactly how they used to I piece things together I was telling Brett like last night, I, I I was on YouTube for probably like two and a half hours. Like I made a list of all the <laughs> moments that I could go and watch um, like Bo Jackson's throw, yes. which that was the one I I had. I hadn't that and Ozzie Smith is Ozzie Smith's uh, 
like one handed catch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was what in Atlanta that was. It was actually in San Diego. San Diego. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it was against Atlanta and, uh, and it, it's, you know, he, you've seen it and, and, and anybody should go see it. The video, the film is not very good. Same thing with the bow. No, it's very play. grainy. <laughs> it's very grainy, but he dives uh, to his left for a ball over the middle. And he was a rookie. He was like, it was like his 10th game or something. And he dives over the ball hits a rock because infields there were a joke. Uh, and I mean, there, I mean, 1979 when he mm-hmm. made the play all infields or 77, all infields were pretty bad. And the ball hits a rock and kicks to his right. And he reaches back with his bare hand and makes the play. And it's, there'll never be another play like it. Cause we'll, we'll never have an infield that bad again. You know, the player, the players association would never allow that. Yeah. Never allow. Um, it, no. <laughs> At yeah, least I, we found, hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found myself, I found myself on YouTube just watching all of these. I, I, again, I've seen most of them, but like with your, the, the, one of the parts of the book I love so much is like your description of kind of like what's going around on around each moment. And like the background, just the, the different people's perspective. And then I go and watch it and I see like the little things that, and pre- I think the Bobby Thompson is the best example of the first baseman, who the, the first base coach was just going absolutely ballistic. I didn't rewatch <laughs> it like five times just because he's right. he like making me smile. Um, I, did th- I did think about that quite a lot when I was writing the book. I was like, you know, this is going to be, and I've actually had a couple of people already tell me this, uh, which made me feel really good. People have said to me, this book is taking me forever to read because I'll read a chapter and then I have to go to YouTube like right away and then watch the play like over and over again. Then I reread the chapter now that I've seen the play. Yeah. And and I've, I've always thought that this book sort of has a real connection to the to the film. You know, I specifically I specifically was I stopped doing that because it was throwing me off. Right. Like I, I was like throwing off my groove because I, I ran through this book. Like, I, I mean, I I probably read it in like, I don't know. It was like two or three days it took me to read it because I, I read I read like a quarter of it and then I just busted through it. But one of the reasons <laughs> it was fit, quick was because I just I was like, I need to stop going to YouTube yes. every five minutes. Yeah. So I just I just made a list. And also, I don't I'm sure that someone's going to do this for you, but someone's got to put like a just a collection of, of, of all this of together. Uh, yeah, they, they got to just put it, put it together. Um, and I you can only, you can only do it for like half the moments, I guess, because the other half don't. There's no video of it, but that'd be great. <laughs> um, now, just like uh, uh, your rankings. Well, I, I, that's what I want to ask. Like, is this a ranking per se? Like, did you view it as a ranking? Um, and like, how difficult was that? Especially for like, I look, I'm looking at the top five that I have right, right here. How much of it is like personal rankings and how much of it is like, you think that baseball fans view it this way? I, well, it's all sort of personal, I guess. I mean, this is a really personal book. Um, the rankings were pretty important to me in order because I wanted it to tell a story. That was sort of the way I wanted the book. Like the Baseball 100, everybody wants to talk about the rankings. I mean, like I've done today, I've done two different interviews. I'm still arguing about whether Babe Ruth should have been number one or Willie Mays. I mean, like it's still, that's still very much. And I knew that ranking these moments, it wasn't going to be the same. It's not like there are that many, there are going to be people that have and will say, I can't believe you didn't put this moment in there. But nobody, I don't think, is going to be like, oh, I think Carlton Fisk's home run should have been way ahead of Cal Ripken's streak or whatever. You know, like, like nobody nobody thinks about it quite that way. Um, but I did think, I first of all, there I wanted to put them in that order because I think I think that that what I what I thought about as I was picking the moments was 
is this why we love baseball? That was the only criteria. It was not about um, how important the moment was or how dramatic the moment was or anything like that. It was all like, is this why we love baseball? So <laughs> when you're asked uh, the Bartolo Colon home run, is it in there? Well, is the Bartolo yes. Colon home run? Yeah. Is the Bartolo <laughs> Colon home run why we love baseball? You bet it is. Right. <laughs> and and so, so that's what I was thinking about. So when we came to like the final 10, then it was really like, I, I, I definitely put each moment in and moved them around in such a way that, it, that I, I, where I felt the most comfortable with it. I mean, you know, all the way to my number one moment, which I think is, it will, surprise some people that I picked that as my number one moment. Um, but, it, but I, but I have a very, very, very specific reason why. And sort of the same thing, like there probably at one point during this whole process, I probably had five of the 10 moments at number one, five of the different 10 moments could have been number one, at least, at least five, maybe more. Um, but eventually, yeah, I, I really did think hard about, all right, this is what this book represents. It represents why we love baseball. What are my the top moments uh, and what order do they go in for that story? And then, of course, as you know, even after the number one moment, I've got a, a sort of an epilogue where mm -hmm. I have one more moment and and it's nobody would put it at number one in the greatest moments. But to me, it's sort of the moment that explains why we love baseball maybe better than anything else. So, so I, I definitely had a real, I, I thought about it a lot. Let's just yeah, say that. I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Obviously I agree with your number one moment, by the way, awesome. Just if, that, if that makes you feel better about it, I don't know. I don't know if people it, have disagreed with you, but I, I think that, I think that makes sense. So. Yeah. Pe people I wouldn't say that people have disagreed so much as I think people have said that was not what I expected. And, mm -hmm. and I think if you read it, You'd be like, okay, like even if you don't agree, you'd be like, okay, but I get the I get the the point of this. Um, but it does. I love when hearing people say that they that they agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's such a look, all of them, all of the top five. Uh I mean, I love every moment in the book, but all of the top five to me are like spectacular, amazing moments, you know. There's one that I like, I I don't disagree with it, but there was another one, number three, I believe. That, yeah, that one surprised surprised me more that it was there than yeah. any of the other ones. Yeah, not a I, not a bad way. It just was like I I was I was surprised it was that high because at that yes. point I was viewing it as a ranking. I was like, okay, this has to be his rankings. I'm assuming right. this is his rankings. And, for and that one being that high, I was like, oh wow. And I know exactly why what you're saying, and I know exactly why that that moment um, is. It's kind of hard to talk about it when we're not talking specifically. Yeah, about I know, it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but when people read the book and they'll, I think a lot of people will go to number three and go, whoa, I, that's yeah. Especially after number four, like number four to me, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, I would have expected that to be at the top or whatever. Um, so putting number three above it was definitely a statement, but, but it's, it's, a, I feel, I, I feel really, really good about it. And I love, love, love that chapter. It's my, it's, yeah. it, it might be my favorite chapter in the book. No, again, the, the way you explain it and all the detail you give definitely like it it vindicates any reason for putting it there. Um, now that you've done like again, you wrote when did you write this book? It had to have been over the summer you finished, right? Because you had a I, reference to the Trout Otani. I, I did. Although, in March. although to be fair, I called them. The book was already done, okay. and I called them very specifically and said, "I got, I got to put Trout Otani yeah. uh, in this book." Uh, so that was March. 
Um, so the book was done probably, yeah, I mean, it was probably done uh, fully, fully, fully like in the bank um, sometime in, in April or, or so. Yeah. Okay. And so you've gone, you've gone through this book tour now, I guess, for two weeks and you're going to do more. And you've talked to, I'm assuming, a lot of different people about this. And I'm sure that people have given you, and I do have three, three moments. I won't, I'll, I might share them. Um, <laughs> is there, are there moments that you regret not putting in? Yeah, but not because I, I like I, there's I at least at this point, I don't have any moment that if I was doing the book again, I'd put them in. Like okay. other than other than maybe something from this year, right? Maybe okay. some stuff like that. But people have said to me moments, and I'll give you an example. I wrote what at the time was kind of a famous story about the last day of the 2011 season, that crazy day where like you know five six seven different teams were playing for playoff spots and and the games ended up being crazy and the red sox kind of blew it and the cardinals got and then and the rays came back from nowhere and 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 i wrote a whole you know very big thing and it's one of my favorite days in baseball history and it is not in the book and i wrote a whole essay for that moment to put it in the book and at the end of the day I already had the 2011 World Series in there, and I I just kind of felt like it was repeating some of the stuff that was in other chapters, and so it didn't go in. So I don't regret putting it in, not putting it in. People have brought that up to me. They were like, "You wrote that I, that story was called Baseball Night in America," and they're like, "You wrote Baseball Night in America, and then you didn't even put that moment in the book." Um, it just didn't quite fit. So I don't regret not putting it in, but as a moment, of course it deserves to be in there. It's one of the all time great moments. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of moments that I would say, I'm sure I, I can't imagine how difficult it was to knock this list down. Yeah. It was I the hardest I mean, list. It was the hardest list. E even the baseball 100, as hard as that was, um, there were probably 10 to 15 players that like were the last, last, last cut. And it was really, really hard to leave those players out, but that's the way it was. There yeah. were 50, 50 moments that I could have added in here easily. You're, and, and you're doing an addition to the baseball 100, correct? You're doing like an added 10. Did I, did I read that somewhere? I, I, I did for, for my, for my site, for, for my newsletter, uh, Joe blogs. Um, I did do 10 oh, that okay. didn't get in, okay. but I actually did not do the 10 that were the closest. I had the, the, the fans vote. Uh, my readers uh, vote okay. on the 10 and they, and they got like six or seven of them. It wasn't like that, but they also, they asked me to do a couple of people that probably were not in that final cut. Um, but I did, I wrote 10 sort of baseball 100. You can see if you, if you, if you go to Joe blogs, you, you do have to be a, a member to go into the archives, but if you sign up for Joe blogs, uh, yeah, it's the 10 who missed it's a, okay. it's a whole section I did for that. Yeah. I was on the, I was on the about page earlier, just like stalking you kind of, and just <laughs> going through, going through, I mean, you're one of my dad's favorite authors. So when I said that you were coming on first off, he was like, how the heck did that happen? And I was like, I right. don't know. I just reached out to his publicist. <laughs> um, but the one, so you, you talk about it, uh, Pete Alex, I'll say Pete Alexander, which that was another thing I didn't know. I didn't know they preferred Pete Alexander, but the one moment I'll bring up, there's another one I'll, I'll talk to you after just so we don't spoil anything. Um, but Babe Ruth getting thrown out second base in that world series is just one I always laugh at. So sure. I just thought that was funny, but you talk about that. You talk about kind of like a drunk or hungover, allegedly Pete Alexander coming into that game, but right? That was the same game that 
Babe Ruth tried to steal. It was the, it was the, it was the same series, right? Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, that was the strikeout of Tony Lazari in that series, um, which is uh, uh, both legendary and an incredibly sad, right? Like it's this legendary moment that that he basically, I mean, one of the most sort of, and I wrote about it a little bit in the Baseball 102, but one of those sort of most touching and sort of heartbreaking things is, you know, he, Rover Cleveland Alexander, is, as, as most people know him, um, you know, was had a terrible post baseball life. He he was an alcoholic, and he was dealing with illness and 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 divorce, and he he was he was homeless. It was it was a very very sad thing. And for a little while, he uh used to he was on like vaudeville where he would re recap retell the story of striking out Lazari, and he did that for I don't know how long. But eventually he quit, even though it was like the only job he had. And a friend of his said, why did you quit this 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 job? You had a job. They were paying you to do this. And he said, I, I'm just tired of striking out Lazari, you know, and it's just like there's a there's a real sort of heart wrenching quality to that. But yes. Uh, I, I couldn't put another moment from that. Series no, I know. In. I know. But, that, but yes, but that's Babe one Ruth, that I feel like isn't a spoiler, but is <laughs> is funny enough. And, and and when I was reading that, I started thinking about that. I'm like, was that the same? Yeah. Was that 1926? Was that 27? It was 26. Yeah. It was prior yeah. to Ruth go, go, having the 60 home runs. Um, So I guess re- just real quick, and then I have questions about Pete Rose and then Harry Houdini, because I just because they're both the same one. guy. Yeah, no, I yeah, think that's yeah, same. Same thing. Um, Is there is there of these moments like do you have a favorite? I know you said no, chapter three was your fi- or moment three was your favorite to write. Is there Many a ways, favorite yeah. mo- favorite moment though for you? Whether it's you, I, I you experience it yourself or well, I mean, I, I do. I have a lot of favorite moments. This is this is so weirdly, even though I'm not really a character in in the in the book, I'm, I I pop up now and again. This is really the most personal book. That I've written, and I, I couldn't even fully explain why. Uh, there, just everything about writing this book was was very meaningful to me in a lot of a lot of real uh, ways. My favorite moment in the book is is you know I mean look I was I was at Derek Jeter's Mr. November home run, and of course that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in live uh, in baseball. Uh, I write about my hero Dwayne Kuyper hitting a home run, but my favorite moment in the book is actually. Uh, one that nobody would expect it to be. Um, I was at the Hall of Fame doing research for this book. And and I I was in the library and I, I was like a little tired. I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go walk around the library. And I and I walked out and in the corner of the library with of the museum rather, which is an amazing place. I everybody should go to the Hall of Fame if they can. Um there's a section called uh, Women in Baseball. And on the wall in the section, there was a little girl, picture of a little girl, and a, her jersey above it, like a, like a uh, framed jersey of hers above it from Little League. And below it, it says Chelsea Baker uh, through two perfect games as an 11-year-old. And I'm like, I've, I've never heard this story. I mean, I you know, I guess looking back, I... I not sure exactly how I missed it because there was a, a couple of like ESPN did something on her and whatever, but I didn't, I, I'd never heard the story and I 
decided to like kind of find Chelsea Baker and she would had not spoken in a very long, she's not, she's 25 years old, but she had not spoken in years. She sort of walked away from baseball and I found her and, and talked to her and she's a wonderful person. And she tells me the story of how, when she was six years old, she went to her little league coach and said, can you throw me the knuckle, teach me how to throw the knuckleball. And the coach is like, no, no, no. And then finally she wears the coach down and the coach teaches her how to throw the knuckleball. And it turns out her little league coach is Joe Necro, right? So, you know, they, <laughs> one of one of the all-time great knuckleball pitchers, 200-game winner, brother Phil Necro in the Hall of Fame. And, and so Joe Necro teaches her how to throw the knuckleball. Little, not long after, Joe Necro dies. And... She's at the funeral and she goes to the family. She says, can I put a uh, baseball in his coffin? And they say, uh, of course. And so she she puts a little baseball in the coffin and she whispers to Joe, I'm going to learn. I'm going to perfect the knuckleball. I'm going to learn how to perfect the knuckleball. And every single day she would go out and she would throw knuckleballs against this brick wall that they had built. her family had built for her and taught herself how to throw the knuckleball. And then when she was 11 years old, she threw two perfect games because no 11-year-old can hit a knuckleball, obviously. Um, no, almost nobody can hit a knuckleball. And so she's telling me this incredible story that I love. And, you know, every every step of it gets better and better and better. And when she gets to, uh, you know, she's 17, 18 years old, she realizes that she loves other things, too. And she doesn't want to do everything to be play baseball. Like like she, she's photographer. She plays piano. She does social media. She does a lot of different things. So she kind of gives up the game. And I say to her, um, do you still, do you like think about baseball now at this age? You know, she's 25, got a job, got a, a whole life. And she says, you know, it's funny every now and again, I, um, I have a glove on my wall, like the shelf above the, 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 uh, piano. And, uh, it's a ye old yellow glove. And every now and again, I take it down and I put it on and I pound my fist in it. And then she says, I know you can hear the sound of what, what that sound is of pounding the fist. In the and when she said that, I'm like, that's, that's why emotional. I love <laughs> yeah. That's why I love baseball. That's the emotional center of this book, you know? Yeah. And I just love that story so much. And that's, I mean, that's why I write. I mean, that's really, you know, it's like, I mean, so much fun to go back and revisit the pine tar game or go back and, and look at video, <laughs> but it's stuff like that, that just absolutely gets me every time. The, I love that story. And you bring up the Pontar game, so I'm going to jump to that. I mean, that, that's the thing about this book is, one, it's there's parts of it that are very emotional and touching. But then I was like laughing out loud at yeah. some of these stories. And the Pontar game, I'll just the real quick, the, just Billy Martin, what, what, what was it? They they replayed at Yankee Stadium and they yeah, had the yeah, affidavit it, that the it's, umpires. It's so funny because, I mean, <laughs> you know, they replay it like whatever, three, four, five weeks later. And and most people don't even know they replayed that game. Everybody has seen George Brett come flying out. And they don't know that the out call was overturned and and he was actually the home run counted. And so they had to replay the game because they stopped it in the ninth inning and they had to the Yankees had to bat him in the bat in the bottom of the ninth. And they did it weeks later. And there's all sorts of funny things around that replay. But my favorite thing by far is 
there were different umpires at that game than were at the original game. So when the game started, Billy Martin uh, appealed, said that George Brett didn't step on first base and, and, uh, and they called him safe. And then they said that he didn't touch second base and they called him safe. And Billy Martin came storming out saying, how in the world could you guys know you weren't there? How could you know if George Brett touched first base? And they pulled out, these notarized affidavits from the original <laughs> umpires saying George Brett touched every base. And I just, that's like the greatest thing. It's the I, greatest. There was a couple, I wrote them down. I, I won't go back. There was a couple of times where I just was giggling in my bed as I was reading this. And that, that was, that was one of them. Just the, yeah. <laughs> some of the endings, each chapter just was, uh, was crack cracking me up. Um, uh, okay. So I don't want I don't want to spoil too much of this book because honestly, like there's a lot of moments in there that I think will, will surprise some people in a, in a good way. Um, so I'll just kind of, I just want to move on real quick. Cause you, you, P Rose is one of the players that you talk about in the book and you wrote, uh, wrote about the 1975 Cincinnati Reds in your book, the machine. Um, yes. so I just, I just, I, and you obviously have met and spoken to P Rose many I'm times, yeah. many times. Um, just like, what is your feelings on, on like him and, and you talk about it, like is, do you think with the change in gambling, like the change in view of gambling in the United States, specifically with sports, do you think that he deserves another chance at the Hall of Fame? Or do you think like everything else, which you kind of mentioned in the book, um, is kind of those are really the reasons now that are holding him back? It's 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 so hard. I mean, there there's there's a lot about Pete Rose that is incredibly likable. Uh he's a great storyteller. He played the game hard and with a lot of heart and which is why he has so many fans to this day and there's a lot about p rose that are just just awful and and you don't even want to you don't even want to go into how dark you know some mm. of it goes right the the thing that breaks my heart about p rose is that p rose had dozens of opportunities to get into the hall of fame dozens of chances to save himself uh including right at the very beginning when they didn't want to suspend Pete Rose for life. If Pete Rose would have come out in 1988 when they were going through this and said, Hey, you know what? Yeah. You know, I, I messed up. I, I bet on baseball. Um, they would have suspended him for a year. He would have been back in the game. He'd be in the hall of fame right now. Absolutely possible. Then dozens and dozens of times through the years, if he would have admitted doing it, just said he was sorry, said he was going to change his life. Just talked about, wanting to be a part of the game, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. I, I, mm. There's no doubt in my mind about any of that. He refused to do that. He refused to do that. And of course, now some ugly things have come out about his personal life. And and it's, it's you know, who knows what's true and what's not true, but it's not good. And yeah. I think now that as much as anything else is keeping him from, from getting, because it's not for him, it's not a question of, getting the votes for the hall of fame. He's nowhere near that. It's getting him so that they would even allow him to be yeah. voted on it. And I just don't see how anybody at this point is going to allow for Pete Rose to get voted for the hall of fame. So, um, you know, look, I, he was an all time great player and he was an all time great character of the game. And, and it's, it's, it's very sad that his life and his career has ended up the way it has. But I mean, he really, Unlike some of the others that that have, you know, I mean, you you look at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and and you can have real arguments about 
what the game was like. Were they just doing what was happening everywhere in the game and so on? Unlike those arguments, there's no real argument here that P. Rose has done anything to make him deserving of the Hall of Fame uh, since he retired and and it's uh, or was retired, I guess. And it's sad, but but that's just sort of where we are. Yeah, no, I just I just want your insight because it it seems obviously you have a great background to him. Um, and I, I just felt again, like you said, like all the other things have kind of come out. I think are really the reasons, but just the way that gambling has kind of become part of it's true part, no, it's part true. of sports. That that's something that just has been an argument that uh, not an argument, but a debate that I've had online I, the past. I think year. If, I think if there wasn't a lot of other stuff, a lot of other baggage with Pete Rose, no question that you know it's 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 not. It's not like because gambling is such a part of the game now, it changes that he, you know, knew what he was doing when he yeah. broke the rules. But yes, there's a much different feeling about gambling and baseball now. And he definitely would have been able to at least ride a little bit of that wave if if not for everything else. Yeah, no. I mean, uh it's it's an interesting debate. Um, I just want to jump over to Harry Houdini real quick, and then we're just gonna close out with a couple like baseball like yeah, I know you're a Cleveland fan, so we'll, we'll, we'll close up a couple modern baseball questions. But I just sure. I need to know, like Harry, who did, like how did you get into that? From you do football and ba- and you had a golf book, but football and baseball, and I'm yeah. like looking through everything. All of a sudden, it's like the life of Harry Houdini. <laughs> so I just want to just quickly just give me like a two minute kind of synopsis because I'm going to buy it now. So just I yeah. just want to know I want to know what I'm getting into. Yeah, I I loved it. Like, look, I've always I've always had a little bit of a love uh, for magic. I've always thought that was really an interesting world. Um, what I wanted to do, what what really brought me into it, is the idea that we we that Houdini, you know, he performed more than a hundred years ago, and we still talk about him. Like you know, there's still. I, I remember thinking about this. I, I can't even remember what the game was, but now we've seen dozens and dozens of examples. But you know, pitcher gets out of a jam in the ninth inning. And the announcer goes, oh, he's Harry Houdini. He pulls a Harry Houdini and gets out of this. Why? Why do we care about this, you know, magician uh, and escape artist from, from you know, all those years ago? And so I, I decided to dive into this world, which I knew nothing about, absolutely nothing about. I didn't know anybody in magic. I didn't know anybody who knew anything about Harry Houdini. And it was really cool. It was like going back to to my, you know, my, my beginnings as a, as a writer, because I'm just going in and I'm just, I'm asking the most basic questions and, uh, but it was so much fun. And I met so many people who are like lifelong friends now and uh, who are in magic. And, and uh, one of them actually came out to, to uh, uh, my event, one of my events, I, th- I think maybe in LA, um, what maybe the world's leading magic historian is just <laughs> sitting in line to get me to sign uh, a copy of the baseball book. And, and uh, you know, I'd like, how did my world ever cross into this? But it's one of my favorite all time experiences writing that book. Yeah. So it's, it's just so, it's so different. It just caught my eye. I, I'm, I'm a history, like my mate, uh, my master's in, is in history and Harry Houdini, I guess it's history. It's history. Very much, um, very much. And I just that called me, and I was like, "Ooh," because I love your writing. It just <laughs> Thank my, you. again, this is my this is my first experience with your books. My dad, when I said I hadn't read you, was like going to beat me up. Um, <laughs> so this is my first experience with, it and I love just I again I laughed. I just honestly just barreled through this. Um, so I'm going to order the Harry Houdini book next, and 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 talk about that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll bring you back to to dive sure. into that. Um, one thing I want to show you real quick because I have to because you mentioned it in the book is 
this uh i think it's from 77 oh beautiful beautiful yes Um, so i know you said you played a world series game with your friend yes and i just my i I grew up playing well my dad obviously grew up playing stratomatic that's his um but i grew up playing apba uh so i i I, the stratomatic was a little too confusing for me as a kid um, but when I mentioned to my dad, I was like, oh, he references the book. He's, he just ran to his closet and like grabbed it and pulled it out. And he's like, you got to show him this. And I said, all right, um, do you still play or no? Um, n- no, but only because I don't have time. I, I would love to play. But my friend Jim, uh, who is the one who I beat in that in that uh, World Series that I was happy to uh, save for posterity. Um, he's a vice president at uh, MLB. And so I we talk about it all the time. He wants a rematch, you know. I mean, we, we probably played that twenty five years ago, and he wants a rematch. And and I'm like, why would I give him a rematch? Like, there's no, seems don't, yeah, no reason to. But uh, yeah, in fact, Stratomatic was awesome. They gave out a game at at every one of my stops. They gave out like one of the new games, and and so I've held the game, you know, throughout my entire, you know, all through the tour. And I'm like, I gotta get this game. I gotta, I gotta find people to play. I mean, it's you come to, come so to Long fun. Island. Come so to Long Island. Fun. I'll play yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah there you da- go. My, Absolutely. My, my dad was because it was uh the headquarters was my dad's from New Park, Parks. So it was like 20 minutes from his house. Uh so he used to just ride his bike uh, and go and go pick up the new the new teams and everything. It's amazing. So it's amazing. Um yeah. all right, just real quick, Brett, just run off like the modern questions for Joe, and then we'll uh we'll wrap this up. I love it. Yeah, real quick, I was going to say, I don't know, Joe, have you ever heard of the game MLB Showdown, the card game? Sure. Okay, so we grew up uh, playing that game, and one of your moments about the angry, I I got halfway through the book, I'm still reading it, Uh, I love it thus far, but one of my moments about angry Pedro, and it was just like, (laughs) I remember MLB Showdown 2001, Christmas Day, I pulled that card in a pack, and it was like the, the card everyone wanted, and I like to this day, like we still play, like, if we're ever home, we'll play like randomly. If we're like, you know, getting ready to go out watching a baseball game, we're like, quick game of showdown, and like, we'll it. still do it to this day. We're turning 30 <laughs> years old this year, yeah. But, um, love that, yeah. So, I, I wanted to, you know, get some of your current stuff. Who wanted to figure out, you know, you're I'm assuming you're a Guardians fan being from Cleveland, correct? Well, sort of. I mean, you know, I was in Kansas City for a lot of years, um, and and really drew an attachment to that city and that uh, that team. I, I kind of I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like a cop out, but I kind of root for the story now. I've sort of become at a point where, uh, you know, I I just write and love baseball so much. I just the only thing I've really maintained is is my my aversion to the Yankees. Like that that doesn't ever go away. But the the uh, the teams that I root for are sort of sort of depend on the moment. You know, like I'm this year I'm like really into the to the Mariners. I'm, I'm desperate for them to, to win it all finally. So, uh, uh, which isn't looking great, but yes, <laughs> no, f- fair enough. As honestly, I, I very much, uh, you know, uh, get with that statement as we break into, you know, art doing this, the skipper's view, like I realized I fall in love with now like players and like yes. writing yeah. stories about like, you know, I love writing about the Rays system or the guardian si- like farm. System, Absolutely. Like it's like, you just you want everyone to succeed because you're like I, another flamethrower. Let's go. Yeah, you know? that's exactly right. So, exactly right. Uh, who who uh, is one of your favorite players right now to watch? You know, I, through the years, I'm sure there's decade every decade you have someone. Oh, yeah. That, like yeah. Who, who, are, who are your who would you say is your guy right now that you like to go to and uh, you'd love tuning in to watch? 
pitch well, line. They're a they're a bunch. I mean, they really yeah. are. Again, I not to cop out, but there are a bunch. Um, so I do a podcast. I have a podcast with Mike Shore, uh, who who uh, created Parks and Recreation in Brooklyn Nine Nine and and those shows. And we talk about on the show regularly. We talk about how Mookie Betts is the greatest living American. That's literally what we call him, the greatest living American. So, of course, I was just in L.A. I went to the Dodgers game. Some Mookie hit a leadoff home run. Uh, love that guy so much. But, you know, like in Cleveland, I mean, how could you not love Jose Ramirez? I mean, it's just it's so, so good. But I, I get really, really excited, and I'm sure you guys do too, when a young guy comes up and, like, I – I wouldn't have missed any moment of Ellie De La Cruz when he first came up. Like literally every day I would, I would want to, you know, see him Tune because you, you never knew what the heck the guy was going to do. Corbin Carroll was like that in Arizona. And like, you just like, gosh, and obviously Acuna. And I mean, there's, there's so many guys out there right now. This is, this is really a good time for baseball. There are so many, not just good players. Cause they're always really good players. But good and very, very exciting players uh, in the game right now. It's it's a good time. Do, do you have yeah. Mookie or Ronald Acuna for MVP? Non-biased opinion. Totally non-biased opinion because I love Mookie. Uh, and you can make the argument because of his defense for Mookie. But I think Acuna is your guy. Just because okay. he's, he's just been the, the – look, they're both having incredible MVP seasons. But Acuna has just sort of defined – this season, you know, with the new rule changes and the stolen bases and and everything, I mean, he's he's been incredible. Yeah, I just I wrote something the other day about um, just like again, I looking at analytics and everything. That if you look at the past ten years, you would say or voters have always leaned towards uh, whoever has the top WAR outside right. of like Josh, outside of Josh Johnson beating Mike Trout, even though he had like minus two point right. four. Point four war. So I just, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see if they go against the great. I, again, I think Acuna should win also. Um, I think he will just because I think he's defined the season. Look, I also truly believe that um, war is not, it, it gets right. I mean, Mookie's, the difference in Mookie's defense is a lot, I think. Yeah. I mean, and, and not just because Mookie's such a great defensive player, but he also plays second and he also plays short. I mean, he's just, he's just so versatile defensively and Acuna is really not versatile defensively. So, so that's a big difference, but I mean, Acuna is just having one of those years that we're going to be talking about forever. I mean, he's already 30, 60, which we've never seen before. And, and I mean, he could be 40, 70 before it's yeah. done. I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. No, I agree. Uh, Brett, you got the last one for him? Uh, yeah, well, I think we all pretty much know who the AL MVP is going to end up being. Yeah, that's year. done. That's done. Who are your, uh, your picks for AL and NL Cy Young? I'd love to hear your take. Because NL Cy Young, and I think, is up there for grabs between them. I, th- I think, players. look, they're not both up for grabs because I think Garrett Cole is going to win the, the American League and uh, Cy Young. I'm not – I'm actually writing a piece about this right now, so it's very much on my mind. Um, I don't think right now we have a good handle on how to rate pitchers. The, the 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 pitching game has changed so much that so many of the things that we used to count on, innings pitched, complete games, like those are gone. They're just gone. And, and so now when you're talking about nobody's going to throw – I think Cole – I mean, uh, yeah, Cole will – 
but nobody else is going to throw 200 innings. So you're talking about like trying to divide, you know, people, but th- th- this guy is 180 innings. This guy's 168 innings. They're, you know, ERAs are about the same, but this guy's been a lot hit luckier and this, that it's really, really hard. So I don't know, like, like, I don't, I, I have a really hard time knowing who I vote for, but I do think that Garrett Cole's going to win. And I do think that Blake Snell's going to win. I think those are the guys that are going to win. Um, I just don't know that I think either one of them is, would be my choice. I, it, it's so tough. Well, one last thing. So uh, Adam Adam Lazarus had, had turned this on to you uh, and in terms of like reaching out. So is there any author, like baseball author right now with a book coming out that you think we should kind of kind of look into any new book? Oh, good question. Um, well, Adam would have probably been the guy I would have mentioned. Um, there's a book coming out about, I, I can't remember the guy's name. I should remember his name. Book coming out about baseball movies that that I think is going to be really good. Um, there was a book that came out the week that I, that I uh, my book came out, um, and I can't think of her name either, but she wrote a book about uh, League of Their Own, uh, which okay. I've started, which I've started, and it's very, very good. Okay. Um, you know, as far as baseball writers, I'm sure there are a few, I'm sure like I, I'm a big fan of Tyler Kapner. I don't know when his, you know, next baseball book is going to be, but it'll be coming out. I'm sure at some point soon. And, and Molly Knight is one of my best friends and, and she's, uh, you know, working on a baseball book. So there are a lot of really good writers out there that, that, uh, I think are working on some pretty cool baseball books. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna look into that. Then we've we've kind of gotten into the. I'm big into like the baseball hit. Brett's more into modern baseball. Sure. I'm I'm more into baseball history. So I do love jumping into like especially this book. Um, where can our listeners find you? Like where where's the best place to find you? Best place to find me is just uh, probably in my newsletter. Just go to JoePoznanski.com, uh, and you can find that's my website. You can click on. Uh, the Joe blogs on top to see the newsletter. You can see where I'm going to be on tour and, um, and uh, my socials and all that sort of thing. So uh, probably one-stop shopping over at joeposnanski.com. Awesome. All right. So again, Joe Posnanski, uh, why we love baseball history in 50 moments. Uh, you can get it. I'm assuming your website, yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere. Pretty yeah. Much, pretty much <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's pretty good. Be... We're in a good place right now. Yeah. I saw, I saw the book that's number one right now above you on uh, New York times. And I think this one will, will jump that it's like, well, th- well, healthy, well, well, thank you. But as, as of right now, more people do want to live longer. That book is called Outlive. <laughs> more people want to live longer than love baseball. So I, I know that that's going to be tough. Plus, the new Elon Musk book is coming out. So, so number one is probably not going to happen, but I'm very happy with number two. That's pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty good place for a, for a baseball book to be for sure. No, Living yeah, longer it's... baseball. Come on. <laughs> Elon, Elon Musk. All right. So Joe, thank, thanks so much. Thanks for, ha- thanks for coming on. Oh, awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks. Joe. Have a good one.